Hello, and welcome to Fangraphs Audio, episode 976. On today's episode, Ben Clemens and Jason Martinez have an extended chat about the fun state of baseball. The pair spoke last month, and since then, offense has gone up a bit, and bullpens have gotten shakier as they prepare to get smaller. Ben and Jason chat about those trends, as well as the St. Louis Cardinals, who have been running wild on the base pass and continue to feature some promising new faces. That's typical Cardinals for for me. It's always been like, somebody gets hurt, and you call this guy up, and like, oh, he's pretty good. I I had heard of him, but he wasn't on the prospect list. (laughs) You go, oh, he's pretty good. Paul DeYoung was, I think, was kind of like that, right? I think Paul DeYoung was like that. I mean, Tommy Edmund was like that, right up until he was just a gold glove second baseman. Uh, Edmundo Sosa is just like a slightly lower offense version of that. They've been very good at making this player. Matt Carpenter is kind of the, the ultimate version of that. I think he was maybe a little bit more touted than Donovan coming up, but yeah, they're they're very good at manufacturing these guys. And now Donovan's playing outfield for them. He's their starting right fielder, yeah, and and number two hitter. Then at the end of this segment, yours truly joins to ask the duo to make some fun predictions about the Cardinals going forward. But before we get to Ben and Jason, I must issue my weekly reminder for you to check out the Fangraphs.com shop. Not only is it where you can get your Fangraphs merch, but you can also scoop up an ad-free membership. This is the best way to both browse and to support the website, helping us to keep doing everything we do, from the leaderboards to the projections to the daily articles to the podcast to everything else. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Welcome to a segment and also the only segment this week of Fangraphs Audio. I'm Ben Clemens, joined by Jason Martinez. Hey, Jason, how's it going? Going good. How you doing, Ben? Doing pretty well. I uh, I haven't been to a lot of baseball games yet this year, and I went to a Giants-Padres game this weekend, and it was a blast. Baseball is a blast still. There you, there you go. It's really nice, like, stadium as perfect as ever. One of the top uh, three or four stadiums in baseball for me. It was great. Since I don't really have rooting affiliations for either team, I was pretty happy to enjoy a great game. Just, yeah, like, nothing to complain about. It was just really fun. And I've see, I've been seeing this T-shirt on Twitter, or people posting pictures of it, and it says "Baseball is not boring." <laughs> and I and, and I was thinking, yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's always there's always a narrative that'll start for whatever reason, and th- and I think you know there's definitely a change in the first month of the season with like, okay, there's a different ball, the ball's not carrying as much, offense is down, you know what's going to happen, but cool stuff happens pretty much on a daily basis if you follow this game. I mean, if and if, if if you go out to a baseball game. Again, like you said, beautiful, beautiful experience, the stadiums and, you know, the whole vibe and, and watching these these really talented athletes, even if you don't have a rooting interest. And if you do, it's always it's always fun. It's always, it's always ups and downs. But yeah. And, and the thing is, baseball, things change quickly. You know, I think we last spoke a month ago just to kind of get caught up on, OK, what's happened in the first couple of weeks of the season? Why is offense down? I don't know. I, th- I think it's changed. I know. I think he ran, ran some numbers and I think you can see there's, yeah. there's definitely not the case. Is, is, you know, it's definitely ticking up. And I don't know. My most recent thought and I follow base. I have to follow baseball for my job every day. And a lot of it is rosters. And I'm kind of like been more busy than normal just because of the COVID IL has been out of control with players coming coming on and off of that thing. But I, I would say like bullpens are mostly really bad right now. There isn't like one bullpen that's just dominant. There's some bullpens that have that have performed okay, but if you just go 
up and down, you know, the league team by team. And you go, yeah, yeah. I don't really, I mean, my, my team is the Padres. I think we're 13 games over 500 been one of the you know better stories their bullpen is pretty bad man outside <laughs> of taylor rogers you try to get to taylor rogers but it, you know it's kind of that, else, that, yeah that old joke that like you, you call in a reliever and you go no not that guy and then you know it's like well who taylor rogers can't pitch four innings man i mean i like i like a lot of the relievers on the padres i don't think they're necessarily you know lead pipe locks to be great but i like tim hill i like nabil krismat like Craig Stammen. Krismat's underrated. Krismat is the one guy that he's always pretty much money, but he hasn't, up until recently, I think the last couple outings, they've said, all right, this is the guy we trust more than anybody. It doesn't matter that he barely throws 90. Yeah. The dude, the dude is just, he goes in there and he just, he's not afraid and he gets the job done. It's very rough, their injuries. I mean, I think any bullpen would look a lot worse without the names they're missing. Yeah. Between Pomeranz, Pomeranz and Pierce Johnson, I think are almost as good as Taylor Rogers. Yeah, and I, and I'm mostly focused on the Padres, but as a fan. But if yeah. you can go to a lot of teams, and you can do the same thing as I, I'll do right now. So so if I just say, okay, well, this is the bullpen that you know once everybody's healthy, and of course everybody's going to be healthy at once. Yeah, right. That's that's, that's probably not going right. to happen. But let's say let's just dream on it. Taylor Rogers, Drew Pomerantz, who has probably been one of the when he's when he's healthy and when they use him, he's unhittable for the most part. Yeah. Taylor Rogers, you got Pomerantz, Pierce Johnson, very reliable. Luis Garcia has been pretty pretty good. And then you got like a guy like Adrian Morajone, who's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's on rehab assignment. And he, you know, he's a young guy whose future is as a starting pitcher probably. But he throws 99 with this knuckle curve. And, you you know, if you use him in the bullpen and he yeah, can, and he can pitch, you're like, oh, you're not going to hit that guy. They got a guy named Ho- yeah, Jose Castillo in the, in the minors who's working his way back from a lot of injuries. He, he dominated a couple of years back. So, so you, but you can look at a lot of teams yeah. and go, oh, yeah, if everybody's healthy. But you probably, probably could have said that about some teams heading into the season, and it hasn't been the case. Yeah, I think what you can say if you look at the numbers. So last time we talked, it was April 20th, and bullpens to that point had a 338 ERA in aggregate. That's crazy. Like, they were really good. I mean, I don't even know. That's better than a good starting pitcher. And that was all bullpens as a whole. So they're basically unhittable. And as more relievers have had to pitch and you get fewer off days. And so your good guys are going less often as a proportion of all the innings you pitch. Since then, in the basically a month since then, bullpens have had a 395 ERA. And it's even higher in the last 14 days. It's up to, let's see, uh, 415. And you can use ERA for these. These are huge samples, right? It's 6,000 batters faced in the last 14 days by relievers. And they've gotten worse. They're allowing a 246 average over the last 14 days. I mean, not the batting average is everything, but if you're worried about the decline of average, and batting average is like 230 the last time we spoke. Well, it helps when you're hitting 250 against relievers instead of 210. Yeah, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. And I think the relievers that got sent out, weren't, they, weren't, they were the guys that weren't really being used that often. It was like the ninth and 10th guys out of the bullpen. And so when the roster expansion went, you know, ended, the guys that got sent down were guys that weren't being used that often. So, you know, but the difference is you, you do have guys being used more often now. You need to be able to go back to back days. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've seen a lot of position players pitching, uh, which is crazy because they still have most bullpens still have eight, eight guys there. They're going to have to get that down. Well, no, 13 is going to be the, the limit. Yeah. End of this month, right? So yeah, some teams have nine relievers right now. We're still seeing a lot of position players. Yeah, I think that's that's just the way things are going to be this year. At least until we get into the summer and people are a little bit more stretched out. Teams 
just aren't that willing to burn their relievers on like like everyone's pitching. If you have a bullpen, you're using everybody. The Giants game last night, I think, is a great example of that. So I, I was looking at roster resource because uh, seeing people's pitch counts is one of my favorite things about it, particularly for fantasy, but also just for following my team. And if you look at what they had done in the weekend series with the Padres, well, they lost all those games. Um, yeah. But they used everyone. Zach Littell threw more than 20 pitches on two different days. Jose Alvarez is at the back of their bullpen through two days. Andy threw Monday. Mauricio Yovera, who is, I think, their worst reliever by a, a fair margin. He threw three straight days. He threw Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Harleen Garcia has thrown three out of the last four days. I mean, Tyler Rogers got some time off after a rough Friday and then came back and had a rougher Tuesday. Like, they just use everyone. And they only have an eight-man bullpen, so you, you could have one more in there. But they've they've kind of had guys in and out. I mean, Jake McGee's hurt right now, and that that's limited their ability to shuffle it around too much. But this is a team that's known for having a ton of position players. You know, they, they platoon like nobody else. And mm-hmm. they are just using, you know, every piece of the deer, as it were. They're, they're getting everything they can out of their bullpen. If you're in their bullpen, you're throwing. And a lot. Yeah, no no doubt. And, I, and and teams have to do that. And that's kind of the, you know, that's that's what I like about that 13th pitcher limit. I was excited about them doing it, you know, a couple of years back. And then, of course, they, they had to, to adjust. So it's finally going to go into effect. I liked that it was going to, you know, hopefully try to get the starting pitchers, to try, you know, at least changing the way they pitch to try to get through the lineup more than, you know, twice. Yeah. And that's, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's like a thing that was that was a big deal back you know, back in the 80s and 90s and before that, it was like, okay, I have to pitch to these guys three times. Okay, so I'm setting them up from the first at bat. And and you're focusing on like, like you're not, you know, you're not getting, getting taken out of the game. I'm going seven, eight innings. And that's that's a really challenging, challenging thing to do these days. It is. And so every time Major League Baseball makes a change, it always kind of, you know, that pendulum is swinging back and forth. But it's like, it's really hard to get to get it where it needs to be. But I think, you know, so this is going to force hopefully start starting pitchers to go a little bit deeper into the games. Once the pitch clock is in effect, they cannot, you know, like we talked about this last time, they can't be going max effort every pitch. Right. They can't I mean, they really have to like try to strategize. This is a long, you know, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint anymore for the, you know, which is almost like the starting pitches are turning into that where it's like, yeah. I, I'm only going five, so I'm just going to go all out. So a sneaky cause of a little bit more offense recently. So for the first, call it two and change weeks of the season, the the time we were talking last time, starting pitchers average four and three quarters innings per start. In the last two weeks, they've been ad- averaging five and a quarter. So a half an inning more. And that's meaningful. That's a lot. Like an extra half inning is an extra, I don't know, two, three batters. Like every game they get to hit against tiring starting pitchers. And part of that is just because bullpens are shorter. You, you can't manufacture quite as many innings. Part of that is because these guys are more stretched out. But I mean, even in the last 14 days, starters have a worse ERA than relievers. You know, they, they tend to. <laughs> that's, that's how it works in the long run. And so not only are relievers doing worse, but starters are doing worse too. Part of that is the weather heating up probably. And starters are facing more batters, which we talked about last time was going to happen when they cut down on the size of bullpens. I mean, there were teams carrying, I think, like 16 pitchers. So an 11-man bullpen in April. <laughs> yeah. And like, okay, great. Your starters probably throwing four innings a game then. And that's just tough. Like, like even right now, right now when we're talking about relievers have not been good in the last 14 days, it looks like a lot of teams have been forced to go deeper into their bullpen, right? Mm-hmm. Starters have a 421 ERA, relievers have a 415. And that's, you know, in the context of some pretty big bullpen blowups in the last two weeks. 
And I think that does kind of matter. Like, it's only two weeks of games. Like, a few blowups can go into the stats. And even then, relievers have a uh, have a lower area than starters. That's just kind of always going to be the case, I think. Like, in the long run, until they push back on relievers further, I guess. Or until teams expand their use of relievers so much that everybody's a reliever. Right. And, and so this happened last week. And I think... It wasn't really a big story, and it and it didn't last very long. But it, and and I and I kind of saw this a few weeks earlier. I was like, I saw the potential of this. So the Padres piggybacked Mackenzie Gore, and well, it was Clevenger and Gore, and then mm-hmm. they piggybacked Blake Snell and, and Nick Martinez, which gave them like you know I think the total was seven or eight innings in each game of just two two starting pitchers in each mm-hmm. game, and they were great. And I was like, well, they have seven really good starting pitchers, and if they just keep doing this. They don't have to, they don't need a lot of relievers because there's two days where you don't really even need you probably don't need a reliever. You got seven good starting pitchers. You find a closer. Yeah, you you know, if you need to go to, to, to your closer, go to your closer. But these two guys can cover eight or eight or nine innings and they're really, yeah. really solid. And especially a guy like Martinez is more more of a guy who you don't want him going through the through the order a third time. And then right. guys like Snell, he throws so many pitches, he usually can't get through the through the line. I was gonna say, like you would like Snell to go through the order a third time, but he just yeah, can't. He, he can't. He throws so many pitches. And I was like, wow, that worked great. And I and I had already had already been thinking about this. Like, oh, yeah. All right. The Padres were on the same wavelength here. This is going to work perfectly. But of course, you know, Clevenger gets hurt. And, and right. then, you know, you're, you're kind of concerned about the, the rotation as a whole. And you go, okay, let's go back to a six-man rotation. And now there's no piggybacks anymore. Yeah. And so you, you figure out quickly how difficult that is, which which most teams don't have that that many good starting pitchers. So you're not going to try that anyways. But right. but even if you do, like one guy gets hurt, and even if it's a minor injury, it's just like, all right, this is this is not going to be a, a long term thing here. So just you know, yeah. just forget about it. Kind of sneakily, that puts a lot of pressure on the rest of the rotation too. So if you're say running a five man rotation plus two piggyback guys, mm-hmm. then you have six other relievers, right, for the other three days essentially. Yep. If you get blown up, if you're um, I don't know, Joe Musgrove, he he never gets blown up, so this is a bad example, but. If you're a Hugh Darvish and you... Darvish has gotten blown up. Yeah. He's kind of a boom-bust guy. If he gives up a six spot in the first inning and Bob Melvin goes and pulls him, there aren't that many relievers. And you might throw all those guys. I mean, I guess you might just throw a position player at this point. So (laughs) problem solved. But it stretches the rest of the relievers thin if you're going to use multiple people as, uh, as piggyback types. And it looks like it makes a lot more sense to do that. As you said, when you have kind of a, a surplus of like really top starters at the top, the Padres kind of do. And I, I don't know, like, is Gore going to end up, is he going to end up in the minors again? Is he going to end up as a reliever? What's going to happen with their pitching staff when Clevenger's back? They're just going to yeah. stay six man? I think they're going to just keep, I think, they, I don't think they're going to send him back anymore. And the Padres have been great. They've been pretty consistent with this, with guys, especially like with their young guys who have had some success. Like, yeah, we're not going to send you back. At, like, it, like it was, you know, C.J. Abrams was pretty obvious. You're going back to the minors because you weren't playing every day anyway. Right. But I think for the, you know, for the most part, Mackenzie Gore is already like, and I think a lot of major league teams probably see it this way, that once you're, once you're here and you're successful, it's like you probably are, you earned it, man. And it's just, it's kind of like the same thing with when you're battling for, a, for an opening day roster spot in spring training. 
It's like you want to take the best 26 players and and whoever, right. who, you know, if it's your starting pitcher, you, you go, there's not a spot for you in the rotation. They're like, I don't care. I just want to go. I don't want to go back yeah, to the minors. Yeah, I'd like to be in the major leagues. I, I, whatever the I have to do. Nicer. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This is a lot nicer than <laughs> than the alternative. But I don't know. I think I think they're probably going to just write out the six man rotation as long as possible. And then they'll they'll throw in some piggybacks here and there. And, and Nick Martinez is probably, you know, when, once everybody's healthy, he'll be the, the odd man out and give him some, some innings in the, in the bullpen. Like it's a multi inning I mean, guy. I was going to say, he's a nice come in for two innings kind of guy. Yeah. Like I think, I think Craig Stammen is like, kind of like that guy right now. That's playoff starter, Craig Stammen to you. Yeah. Yeah. And yesterday, and, and I, I looked, he came in yesterday and I, was, I saw his stats. He's like one walk, 15 strikeouts and ERA in the twos. And yet he, he, they brought him in in a tie game, the sixth inning, and I was like, no, no, not him. He's not, no. <laughs> and you look at his stats and you go, I, I guess. He's had some bad ones, but I guess, you know, he doesn't pitch a lot of high leverage. And then, you know, he gave up that home run to Tyrone Taylor, and it brought me back. So it was almost three It was almost three years to the day when he gave up four four consecutive homers to the Nationals at Petco Park. And I was at that game, too. Oof. And I was like, no, I, it's crazy that he's still here after that because he was like 35 years old. A 35-year-old dude who gave up four straight homers and go, this guy's done, man. He's going to get DFA'd. And he's still yeah. there, putting up pretty good numbers. So hey, once everybody's healthy, he might he might be the odd man out. Or I, I think they'll just put him on the IL for something and say, you're a good dude. You're a veteran guy, a good clubhouse guy. But yeah. you're not one of our best 13 pitchers. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he will be because there's always injuries. But yeah, yeah, he's I'm kind good. of fringy. Yeah. I do think that... A lot of teams have enough of those fringy guys. Like, I wouldn't say that I'm 100% confident he's worse than the rest of their active relievers right now. Like, I I don't think you're definitely wrong or anything, and I'd, I'd lean that way. But if you told me I've seen the future and Steven Wilson is going to be worse than Craig Stammen, I'd say, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> totally believe you. If you told me Robert Suarez is going to be a little bit worse than Craig Stammen, like the hype ended up being a little bit too much for him, I'd be like, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> Yep. I think that a lot of these guys are kind of interchangeable at the back of the pen and not in a bad way. Like they're all good. Like they all get outs. And I think a lot of teams kind of have that going on for them right now is that they have a lot of guys who can get some outs. They aren't the premium, like top of the rotation guys. But if they, you told me they'd pitch to a four year ERA the rest of the season, I'd say, yeah, all right. I think with every team, the the important thing is, is that you have guys that like, if everything comes together you know, you got to get enough guys healthy who just get on get on a roll. You can go into the stretch run, and if you're in the if you're in the playoff hunt, you get four or five guys that you can trust. They're all pitching well, and it's like, all right, that that's what you want. But to trust, you know, however many relievers you have to be good all the time, it's impo- it's crazy. I mean, they're not going to stay healthy. They're not they're yeah. not always going to pitch good. So just why you know, I never really trusted the the strategy once it started becoming like a, a more regular thing where it was like we don't want the starting pitcher going through the lineup more than twice. So we're going to go to the relievers the fifth and sixth inning, and then they're like, well, so you're trusting that you're going to bring in five different relievers, and not one of them is going to just just stick. He's just going to suck today. He doesn't have it. He walks the leadoff man. He gives up a hit, and all of a sudden you're in a jam yeah. because the one guy didn't have it. I mean, I think a thing that helps in that, because I've, I've tried to research this over the years, because it just feels right, you know, that trusting five guys to all be on doesn't make any sense, and sometimes guys will just be off. I think that, like, those games, and they're pretty easy to remember, right? And the guy comes in, he walks the first two, and you're like, oh, great. Like, here we go. Yeah, he just doesn't have it. It's amazing how often teams don't score from those situations. 
Like, it's really shocking. How often do you get first and second with nobody out? And then it's like a ground ball and then a strikeout. And then oh, now it's two outs and like nobody ever scores with two outs now. Like they do happen still, but it's kind of amazing to me that relievers don't get blown up more. I'm pretty sure that's happened at least five or six times in these last two games that I watched at Pico Park between the Padres and Brewers where the, you know, happened with yeah. Chris Matt the other day, Tim Hill. Like Tim Hill comes in a lot and he's just like, oh my goodness, this guy's all over the place. And he just looks like he's he's not going to find the strike zone. And all of a sudden he comes back and gets the job done. Yeah. I remember at one point I looked at, do pitchers who walk the first batter walk more batters going forward? And like accounting for who they are, right? Like, Yeah. I think you did a, you did a story on that one, right? Yeah, and the answer was no, and I still don't believe it. Like, (laughs) I did all the math, and I did the research, and I made sure I didn't screw it up, and I still don't believe me. There's no way. Like, you can just tell. And I probably didn't refine it enough. But I don't know. Like, guys who come in and walk the first guy often just figure it out. Now, blow-up innings happen way more for relievers because they're only pitching one inning. You know, if you're a starter and you go 0-0-4-0-0, well, then you pitch... Five innings, gave up four runs. Doesn't look so bad. If you're a reliever and you come in and give up four spot, well, yeah, that's yeah, a big ERA. Your ERA, yeah. It's like like look at Tyler Rogers' ERA yeah. right now. I was gonna say on the topic of that, the game last night. I mean, Tyler Rogers. I guess some of the balls left the infield, and some of them were even line drives. But he gave up essentially like grounders or near grounders on like eight straight pitches or eight <laughs> straight uh, balls in play, and gave up a seven spot. And, uh, well, that's not good for his ERA. It won't recover this year, I don't think. He's at 7.41. So he's given up. He gave up two runs the last game. And then he had a, he had a zero before that and then two before that. So that's 11 runs in his last, like, three three plus innings. So I, And I think his ERA was under two before that. Yeah. His ERA going into last night was 3.8. <laughs> yeah. And that's he the thing it. is, like, dude, like, like, what if he didn't? If you didn't pay attention for just one day, you know, baseball fans, it's impossible to pay attention to everything that's happening. Even like with my my job, and I I, I don't catch everything, and I'm I'm looking at every box score every night for for bullpen stuff, and like I don't I don't catch everything, and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, the Giants got Tyler Rogers, you know, they got they got Jake McGee, they're they're really you know, and you got right, sounds like a solid bullpen, yeah, numbers, you look at the ERA ER for both of those guys. You know, but then the reality is that they're probably fine. You know, Jake McGee will probably come back from the IL. His back will be feeling better and he'll be all right. You know, but all of a sudden it's like if you just look at the numbers, you go, oh, they're bad. But it might not necessarily be the case. Yeah, like I would say they're an above average bullpen. And yet, yeah, they they got a lot of guys with just ugly numbers. Yeah, and there's some, some hitters right now. Despite, you know, the lack of offense early on, there was some guys doing really, really good. And there was a lot of guys doing really, really bad. It's like the guys in the middle. It didn't seem like there weren't as, there weren't a lot of guys who were just like, oh, okay, he's been all right. It was it was yeah. just like, oh, okay, above average, or whoa, you're in a slump. When should we bench you or send you to the minors? And there's some guys like like Trent Grisham. I can't see him having a hot streak that's gonna get him <laughs> anywhere near like okay, you had an okay season, like. It doesn't. He'd he'd have to be like all star level player for the for, for the next four months to to like dig, yeah. dig himself out of the hole. I mean, he's in. I kind of think what's going to happen with him is he'll end up with a pretty bad batting line and just play good defense in center field and be okay. But yeah, like he's been just brutal. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of, throughout the league. I mean, that's the thing is you look at some of these lineups and you go, 
wow, these are starting, <laughs> these are starters. And, you know, it's getting to the point where teams are starting to, to make changes, you know, and I think that's fun is, you know, when a team, you know, like the Cardinals, Cardinals are, are you know, they got a couple young guys up there now just trying to sh- shake things up a little bit. Yeah, you want to talk about slumps. Paul DeYoung slumped his way out of a pretty established major league job, and he's just in AAA right now, which is weird to think about. Now, he's hitting incredibly well in AAA of late, but he even started out slumping there. He's a 27 WRC plus in the major leagues this year, a 209 on base percentage, and his slugging percentage is lower. Yeah, how does that happen? And it happens often. And yeah. you, know, you had that one great season. And that's, you know, that's why the, the, um, remember some guys, remember some dudes, that thing is, that's just a fun game that, that, that we men have, right? It's like, yeah. you could sit there all day like, oh, remember, you know, as a Potter fan, they mentioned, uh, Ryan Schimpf the other day. I don't know if anybody's heard of Ryan Schimpf. If you look at his one half season, you go, holy crap, that guy's a star. He's I remember be, him. He was yeah. the, uh, the home run or nothing second baseman, yeah. right? Yeah. And they were talking about, because Manny Machado had four extra base hits the other day. And like, nobody's done that since Ryan Schiff. <laughs> I was like, I remember that guy. The guy would just try to hit everything in the air and the ball would, you know, was he, he hit like 198 with like 20 homers in half of a season. For whatever reason, I just, he's going to be forever associated in my mind with Dan Ugla. Oh yeah, Dan Ugla. I mean, Dan Ugla's better. He was a legit player for a little. Yeah, he bit was. There. He was. He, yeah, he made it through four or five years that were you know where he was. He was a big deal. He hit nine major league years. Apparently, I didn't realize that. Twenty wins above replacement in his career. He was pretty good, but he was very much this guy who plays second base. Where I said, I don't know, man. <laughs> and then he batted, and I said, I don't know, man. Like what? He strikes out all the time and doesn't really get on base. Although I guess he got on base a lot at peak when he was on the Marlins. That, yeah, 94 walks was his his last decent season with that. That's Atlanta. a lot. He had, and that's when his, so he, he, he was on the decline. Yeah. But his last OK season, he only hit 19 homers, but he had 94 walks and 168 yeah. strikeouts. So, And he was an all-star. He was a big strikeout guy, yeah. Yeah, he was. He was kind of the an early entry into the modern shift-enabled second baseman, actually, now that I think about it. I mean, you could not watch that guy play defense and say, yes, this is a good major league second baseman. But he, he made it work. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, when you're hitting 30, when you hit 30 plus homers for like five straight years or whatever. You, yeah. You and when it wasn't, it wasn't that easy to do it either. Yeah. And if you watch like a really good defensive second baseman on a daily basis, like I watch Jake Cronenworth, I've you know, been yeah. seeing Col- Colton Wong, you know, and Ro- Robinson Cano played uh, on Monday night. He played second. Ooh. Oh, man. It's just it's brutal, and it was a close game, and he could have been the difference. The Potters pulled it out, but I mean, the, the Brewers scored because 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 you got the thirty nine year old dude playing second base who who couldn't make yeah. a play, and then you see you see guys like Cronenworth and, and Wong cover cover ground, and you go, oh my goodness! Second base defense is just very aesthetically pleasing. I watch a decent amount of Mets games. My wife's a Mets fan. I like the Mets, and I like their broadcast crew a lot. And you know, Jeff McNeil is not a not a Gold Glove defensive second baseman. But he's pretty good. Hmm. He's above average, I'd say. And seeing the difference between him and Cano when they would like alternate was really noticeable. I don't know that the numbers bore it out that it was actually that important. But for me, as a person who watches it, it was like it jumped off the screen. Cano just couldn't get to anything. And it was just so noticeable. Now, on the other hand, Max Muncy played a passable second base for like three months a few years ago. So... Probably I'm overrating it. Probably I'm overrating how good I am at seeing things with the eye test. 
But yeah, good second base defense, I feel like, is uh, is very noticeable and I feel like helps the team a lot. Can't prove it, but... You know, so you're a Cardinals fan. They have a new second baseman who, who used to be a third baseman, Nolan Gorman. And probably should be a first baseman. Yeah, yeah I'm not familiar with his defense, but I figure, you know... You're not moving him for the purpose of like, well, he he'd be a really good second baseman. You're moving him there because he's he he's got potential he to be hit. a really big bat, and you're not going to be a third baseman with the Cardinals because they have Arenado. Have you watched him play any of these first few games? Yeah, I've watched most of them. You know, I made fun of his defense there. He looks fine. I he's a big dude, and I don't know if he's going to stick at second base long term. He's six one, and he's listed at two ten. I would take the over personally, and he's twenty two, so like he's going to get bigger. Uh, I don't know that he's going to stick at second base long term, but he's looked acceptable there. And I mean, he really hits. He has strikeout issues, but he struck out more than a third of the time in the minors and hit 308, 367, 677 this year. Like, <laughs> he had 15 home runs. He played in uh, 34 games. That's like just an unreal pace. I love I love looking at minor league stats. Man. And that's that's in triple A, you know? Like he he wasn't doing this in low A or something. He has a 22-year-old too. That's crazy. As a 22-year-old in triple A. I think they kind of had no choice but to bring him up and doesn't have any home runs in the majors yet and he's rocking a 400 Babbitt. I don't know that that's going to continue, but he looks very much the part and plugging that into the offense instead of DeYoung is I mean, that's a big improvement. Now, they're also playing Brendan Donovan who I mean, I've I've heard of. I follow the Cardinals closely enough that I've heard of pretty much all their prospects. But you know, I don't think this guy was on our Cardinals list. And, and that's that's typical Cardinals for for me. It's always yeah. been like somebody gets hurt, and you call this guy up, and like, oh, he's pretty good. I, I had heard of him, but he wasn't on the prospect list. <laughs> you go, oh, hey, he's pretty good. Paul DeYoung was, I think, was kind of like that, right? I think Paul DeYoung was, was like that. I mean, Tommy Edmund was like that, right? Up until oh, yeah. he was just a gold glove second baseman. Uh, Edmundo Sosa is just like a slightly lower offense version of that. They've been very good at making this player. Matt Carpenter is kind of the, the ultimate version of that. I think he was maybe a little bit more touted than Donovan coming up. But yeah, they're, they're very good at manufacturing these guys. And now Donovan's playing outfield for them. He's their starting right fielder, yeah, and and number two hitter. Well, yeah, at least yes, yesterday he was a couple. You know, last week he was. He's as been well. DHing. <laughs> He's been playing guy, first base. Yeah. It's really crazy. It's a, it's a crazy. It's 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 a fun team. Now, you know, my experience as a baseball fan was, you know, as a baseball fan in the '80s, the Cardinals were the the most enjoyable team playing on that carpet. All those guys that can run. I mean, I love that team. I always think of that team and. I wish we could bring that type, uh, that type of baseball back, where you got like five guys who can steal fifty bases. Yeah, Ozzy Smith's my favorite player ever, oh, and man. those teams are a big reason why. Yeah. I guess he's you probably remember a little bit of him too. I actually I know for sure that I watched him at at Jack Murphy Stadium when he was with the Padres, but that's yeah. that's when I I don't remember a thing because I was I was probably two three years old. Yeah, um, so I guess my he got memories don't. Yeah, a long so time he, ago, yeah. my my memories were, were of him. With the Cardinals, and my one of my favorite players was Gary Templeton, who he got traded for. So I was a shortstop in Little League, and so Tem- Tempe was was my guy. Underrated. Yeah, I love Tempe, and, and you know, but all that, those Cardinals teams were, were so much fun. And, and so, as a Padres fan, 
especially like those Larusa years. Like the Padres got whipped up by the Cardinals in the '96 playoffs. They got whipped up by the Cardinals in 2005 playoffs. I mean, it was like I hated them. It was it was like well, that's when they became just boring and well, not boring. I, I liked them winning. That was very fun for me. But they became kind of sluggerish and grumpy and play the game the right way ish. Yeah, and like they were always like at least against the Padres. Like if you hit the ball hard, they just always were in the right spot. And this was before shifts were like a super big deal. It's like they were always in the right spot and they just whipped the Padres butt. And so like, would you say there was a little bit different vibe this year? There's a lot of just fun stuff going on with like, you know, with, with Pujols, with Molina, Wainwright, possibly, you know, his, his, you know, three guys who could possibly retire. I don't know who's announced that they're retiring. Have any of them announced it yet? Pujols and Molina. Okay. And Wainwright has. Wainwright hasn't. And I don't know if he's going to. Yeah, he might. I mean, he's. He's definitely the best of the three in terms of, you know, like, if you asked me to guess who would be good in 2023, I hope not too many Cardinals fans are listening to this, or at least that they don't hate me forever, but I think Molina's cooked. Like, I just don't see his bat is just slowed too much. He hasn't walked yet this year. Wow. He hasn't walked yet this year. That's that's really bad. Well, you know, at least you got, so you got those those two guys getting their send away and, you know, all the stadiums and, you know, possibly Wainwright. You got... You got big time prospects now. You got Nolan Gorman there. You got Matthew yeah. Liberatore there, one of the top pitching prospects. Juan Yepes, who's not been a big time prospect, but I think people were starting to know who he was. And he's he's raking. He was the uh the top name I had on my data driven which prospects are underrated list, and he's not disappointed. Yeah, and we we saw him in Arizona at the um the Arizona Fall League All Star game. And he was crushing there too, yeah. Yeah, we had our, our little con- our little fantasy game contest that we did, the Fangraphs crew, and we all we all got to pick two players, and Yepes was one of my guys, and I think and I tied with with David Appleman. We tied it. We tied for the the cash pot. Yeah. You know, I had to get the uh, the far inferior hot Cardinals prospect Lars Newtbar. Lars, but Yepes, I remember that game very vividly because he was joking around with kids like behind the dugout, basically. And then walking up there and smashing doubles. And it's like, shouldn't you care more? Like, shouldn't you be more locked in and like more uh, he nervous? Was. And he, he was, was, he was locked he in. He was locked in, but he was not nervous. Appar- apparently, yeah. Like, like apparently that's just, he's up for a couple of weeks and he's, he's tearing it up. Yeah. So in Cardinals, like, you know, obsessive Cardinals fan nation, there were a lot of calls to just make him the full-time DH going into this year. And then they signed this Corey Dickerson Pujols platoon. And I think people were okay with it because Pujols, it's cool. Yeah. It's a nice story. But if that had ended up blocking him, that would have been pretty bad because, I mean, the guy can just hit. And he has nothing left to prove in the minors. I mean, he may not figure it out in the majors, but he just went on a two-year tear in the minors where, I don't know, he had like a he was slugging 600 and getting on base 40% of the time and just looked like he didn't need to still be there. And so I'm glad they just said, all right, this guy needs to be in the majors. Like, he's not, we're not learning anything from him playing in the minors anymore. Now, do you remember who the Cardinals traded away to get Yepes? Yeah, Oscar Mercado. It was... Or was it Matt Adams? Matt Adams. Matt Adams. Oh, yeah. Matt Adams traded by the... Uh, so Yepes was traded by the Braves to the Cardinals for Matt Adams in cash, May 20th, 2017. So I'm not sure what the, Bra- the Braves would need, needed. A, they needed a, some offense at the time, I'm guessing. Picked up Adams and then they sent Yepes, who was... Yeah, he was nothing then, right? Like he, he was, was a... His OPS was 
under it was in the 600s it was like yeah. under 600 I in think was, rookie ball it looks it was like in, it was in so it was 2017 he was an a ball but i remember thinking they were they were saying like yeah we think we think he can we think he has some potential he can hit i think he was playing third base at the time what was he he was a uh, mostly mostly a third baseman at the time yeah which is kind of funny because he's, he's a big boy yeah he's, he's he's played third base in the minors this year wow i don't think i would do that <laughs> according to uh according to our fielding logs at least i mean that is kind of surprising but yeah i'm that i mixed him up with a uh, john torres who oh, okay. was kind of another like more hopefully big hitter over actual production and he hasn't quite panned out yet that was the oscar mercado trade that was but the oscar mercado trade yeah the yeah. cardinals have done pretty well with these guys with like kind of getting bat first but we don't really know what's going to happen kind of prospects and making them work and i mean matt adams was giving them nothing so that that trade ended up working out quite well for them. But yeah, I mean, even this year, Yep has, has not been a top prospect list. And I've been kind of surprised by that. But I think Eric's convinced me that first base only guys just have a really high hurdle to be a top prospect. And he's not first base only, but he, he kind of is. Yeah, you have to you have to hit. I mean, and, he, and it has to be like legit, legitimate, like this guy can be middle of the order type hitter. Yeah. Right and now, I, mean, he, he looks, I think he, looks, he can be. Uh, yeah. I don't know if this is a good, you know, neutral expectation, but the guy can hit. Yeah, the Cardinals are very fun. The Cardinals have had these waves of really high performers in the minors all breaking into the majors at once. That happened in the uh, in the early 2010s. They had kind of the Daniel Descalso, John Jay, Alan Craig, Matt Carpenter as part of that group, where they all kind of forced their way into the major league roster at once. And it was very fun if you were a fan because it was basically a bunch of like 23, 24 year old kids and then kind of, you know, like the grumpy old core behind that. <laughs> and that, that seems like that's kind of what's happening before. The core is a little bit less grumpy uh, these days. It seems like Pujols is, you know, having a great time and kind of a, a mellow old old man on the team now instead of a, instead of a fiery play the game the right way kind of guy. And it, it just feels like baseball has gone that way a little bit, which has made it easier for them to go that way. But it, it's been a blast as a fan. And I don't know, like the Cardinals have not always been that. Even when they've been winning, sometimes they've been kind of dour. And they, they actually have another wave developing right right now, which is like double A level, like ETA 2023-ish probably. I mean, their best one of their best prospects, Jordan Walker, just turned 20. He's he's in double yeah. A. That dude's a beast. I watched one of his games the other day. He, he doesn't look, he looks like way, he's just way bigger than everybody else. They just promoted Mason Wynn, 20-year-old shortstop to, to double, double A. Mason Wynn has just exploded. Yeah. His year this year, very impressive. Yeah, those, those shortstops that can also, you know, potentially pitch if they wanted to in the majors i mean you figure th- those are the guys that are like yeah he, he's they were the stud since a little since he was five years old everybody was like oh my goodness this gets way better than everybody else yeah those, are those type of guys they got some pitching prospects that are that have done really well gordon grisivo is, is is one of the at least production wise has been one of the better pitchers in the minors michael mccreevy just got promoted both of those guys just got promoted to double a so both of those guys are like absolutely zero pedigree too yeah and they they weren't ranked uh, I mean, we haven't. Eric hasn't released his his, his prospect list for 2022 for the for the Cardinals. Well, McCreevy was eight last year. Grisifo was a 21 draft pick. So we'll see where he, where, where they land on his list. But yeah. yeah, they're they're both they both were were way too good for high A. So yeah, it's a it's a fun Cardinals team, man. And not to mention they could potentially. I I think I think it's gonna happen at some point unless 
the injuries continue to occur in the rotation. I think Jordan Hicks and Ryan Helsley in the back of that bullpen are going to be really fun to watch. And it's going to be one of the things that that's going to kind of, I would say, give them an edge at the, you know, during the playoff run where you're playing all these close games, every important game. And all of a sudden it's just like by the seventh or eighth inning, you got to face one of these dudes that are throwing over a hundred miles per hour. And that's, that's not fun. Yeah. Well, I think we should uh, at this point bring back in producer Dylan Higgins, who has some questions to ask us potentially about the Cardinals. I don't actually know. Yeah, I I told you I was going to write you a a prediction game. Yeah. As we talked about these new fun St. Louis Cardinals. What do I love more than predicting things? Like almost anything else, actually. But yeah, yeah. you've been bragging about your minor league free agent draft success over Unaffectively Wild. But but we're not going to keep score nearly as much. So first off for both of you, this is a, a more straight one. But like... I'm interested in the end of this bullpen and Ryan Helsley throwing big heat and, and a little mix up maybe. Jason, more saves rest of the year, Gallegos or Ryan Helsley? Oh. And Ben. Ooh, but, that's a good one. But but from here forward, we're we're recording on May twenty fifth. I'll say I'll still say Gallegos, but I think I think it's going to be closer. It's just not gonna be not gonna be a fifty fifty, I think more of a seventy thirty thing. I think Gallegos is just He's he's consistent enough where he doesn't have too many streaks where it's just like uh oh this guy needs to be you know demoted to to low low leverage role I I think he's he's good enough and I think hell's I, I don't think he's at risk of losing whatever whatever role he has right now which is I, I think on most days he's going to be their their closing option but then once you had you had Mick, uh, Jordan Hicks to the mix like he he can be in there as well so I think it's going to be kind of I would say like a maybe like a sixty twenty five fifteen Split between those three, Gallegos, Helsley, Hicks, the rest of the way. Yeah. I feel like I get a stopper vibe from Helsley, whatever that means. Yeah, so I, two weeks ago, I would have taken Gallegos easily, and Helsley was doing really well, but in six of his first nine starts, he went longer than an inning, and they were just using him as like a multi-inning guy. And then in his last three appearances, he's faced three batters, three batters, four batters. And so I, it does feel to me a little bit like they're going to weave them into being kind of co-closers or like co-eighth and ninth, depending on matchups, perhaps. I'll take Helsley just so that we can take opposite things. I kind of agree with Jason that it's going to end up being a committee matchup roles. One thing that uh, Ollie Marmol has been really good at is being willing to kind of play matchups and think about matchups a little bit more than just uh, lefty, then righty, then closer. Progressive bullpen management. He did this uh, this move I thought was pretty smart where the Brewers had a bunch of good lefties on their bench. And so he brought in uh, Yenesis Cabrera to face a bunch of righties who were crappy hitters, basically, <laughs> like the bottom of the Brewers lineup. And that just kept all these good lefty bats on the bench, even though he gave himself the platoon disadvantage for three straight batters. He does mm-hmm. a lot of kind of clever things like that. And I think there's games to play with, you know, Gallegos only throws sliders and Helsley there's a lot of pitches, but his standout pitch is the fact that he throws 103. And so I think there's definitely some velocity versus bendy stuff. Platoons sure. are going to get played, but that Gallegos will remain the the more frequent closer. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in seeing Ryan Nelsley and what how they use him, because this guy seems like the limit right now. His FIP is above zero for the first oh, time in a while. It's slumping. Zero is not above zero. It's zero. So the Cardinals are leading the majors in steals. They have 36 as we record this. And they've only been caught five times, which is tied for third best. So not only are they running a ton, but they're good at it. Last year, they were sixth in steals by a pretty good margin. 
where do you think they finish in steals this year? Like, are they going to finish the season first in steals? Top three, top five? I will give them top two. I'm not convinced they're going to keep out stealing the Rays. The Rays are wildly aggressive on the base paths. Yeah, I think and have been caught a bunch more. It hurts but, them. <laughs> yeah. But they just, they steal a ton. And I think their success rate will kind of level out and they'll pass the Cardinals. Sure. I don't really buy that any other teams that are stealing a bunch right now are going to keep stealing. And the Royals don't get on base enough to steal. Sorry, guys. <laughs> like that. Yes. That's not a good way to get stolen bases. Whereas the Cardinals now just have elite speed guys in a lot of positions. And I think that'll parlay its way into hanging on to their early steals advantage against everyone except the Rays, who also have a ton of really speedy guys, and we'll get more yeah. out of Vidal Bruhan going forward. Yeah, looking at the teams behind the Cardinals and the, and the Rays, I don't, I don't see any of those those teams making a run at either of them. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anybody who's hurt right now. Like like Fernando Tatis Jr. would help, you know, would give the Potters a big boost. Yeah. Um, even, you know, if there was some way they worked in C.J. Abrams and Tatis in the lineup in the second half. But they're like, you know, the Cardinals are almost doubling them right now. Yeah. And even that, and that's with Machado running and it, it running a lot. And I don't think, I think at some point Machado, he's smart enough to know, like he, they need him on the field. If you see him yeah, run, to, if you not, see him run to first base on, on grounders, that dude runs like, I'm not going to, going to hurt my hamstring to run this out. Like you guys need me on the field and you're not the same team without me. And I think he's going to slow down at some point. My yeah. my hunch is that at some point it's organizational and the St. Louis Cardinals have decided we're going to run. They have the talent to do it, but you know, yeah. they're they're deciding to. Well, I think I think one thing that has happened with the Cardinals in recent years is look to be frank, their offense has not been good. For the players they have on it, you'd think it'd be better. And they have a lot of speed, and I think they just kind of said like, look, we got to do something about this. Like it's it's just not working. We're not getting enough production given the fact that we have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Like more people start running. Those guys don't have to, but everyone else should run. And I think, yeah, they have the personnel for it and it seems like it's working. Yep. So I don't think they're going to stop doing it. All right. I want to talk about these rookies in terms of the Cardinals. They have Brendan Donovan, who has more walks and strikeouts and a BABIP over 500. They have Juan Yepes and his 146 WRC plus. He's hitting great. And Nolan Gorman is up. In the rest of the National League, Kiebert Ruiz has 1.1 war already. And say uh, Suzuki's Dylan, bad news. What's up? Kbert Ruiz is not a rookie. He's on our rookie leaderboard. Oh, yeah, he is, but it's incorrect. Oh, wow. He had like too, too many service time days because they changed the September rules. Uh, if you want okay. a really great story, uh, a bunch of sports books listed him as a rookie of the year pick. Oh. And then had to be told by Major League Baseball, uh, hey, uh, he is not eligible. Well, I'm going to blame the fangraphs.com leaderboard yes, where I did that this. That is very research. fair. We, <laughs> Megan and I talked about this. It's a blind spot, and it's really annoying that they keep changing the rules. Okay. So, anyway, I want to talk about NL Rookie of the Year. And that's fine because the favorite was Seiya Suzuki, and he's doing fine. But the question for you two is. National League Rookie of the Year, a Cardinals player or the field? Mm -hmm. Will the National League Rookie of the Year be a Cardinals player? I'll, I'll go with the field. I mean, I think I think Donovan's going to end up in more of a, a utility role. He's not. He's you know he's he'll fall behind a little bit. He's not going to keep up what he's doing at the plate. I think Yepes is going to be solid the whole way through, but I think he's not going to generate as much like as much of that wow factor where every day it's like, wow, what did Yepes do today? I, I think, you know, and he wasn't a top prospect either. Whereas 
you know, I'm, I'm trying to look at, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at other options right now. O'Neill Cruz is going to be fun once they call him up, but I don't, I don't think he's, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be up there. I think Suzuki, Alec Thomas is interesting for, for the Diamondbacks. I think he's probably going to stay in that, in that everyday lineup for the, for the rest of the season. Hey, Alfonso Rivas, Rivas is hitting. Yeah. The preseason hunch was that it was Suzuki's to lose. Yeah. And I think he's, he's, he's probably still the best bet. Um, and then when it comes down to it, like Suzuki versus Yepes is probably the most, you know, at the end of the year, if you look at the numbers, I think those two guys are both going to be like solid above average hitters. Uh, not nothing, you know, not like not in the MVP race or anything like that. But I think those two guys are going to be solid. And I think, you know, Suzuki's going to be be the more popular guy, the more popular pick and, and as a favorite coming into the season, too. I think that's reasonable. And. I also like taking the field because, like, Mackenzie Gore could win it. I don't know that he will, but sure. he just go crazy. Spencer Strider could keep, like, if Spencer Strider throws another 50 innings, he's already thrown 20 yeah. uh, as a reliever. That's pretty impressive. If he throws another 50 innings and ends up with an ERA of, like, one and a half, which is definitely not out of the question, then he could win it. I don't think Libertor is actually in the race. I don't think he's going to pitch enough in the majors this year. So I'll take the field. I think if I had to pick one favorite, I might pick Yepes because... I'm a sentimental guy, and I like Yabez. But uh, sure. but yeah, I'll take the field. I just like taking the field. Sure, absolutely. All right, I got two more a little, little sillier ones. Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina each have a stolen base and one pitching appearance this year. And Albert had two steals last year, and Yadier had three. They run a little bit, and the Cardinals are running. At the end of this season, will they together have more combined pitching appearances or combined steals? Ooh. Currently, two and two. They're tied right now. You're asking who, what, what's going to be. The yeah. yeah. Do you think so? Basically, do you think they'll keep pitching? We've seen them once each. Do you think we'll see them more at this rate? Like, like as, as often as as position players are pitching. Yeah, like they went out there, they didn't hurt themselves, and with a lead. And, yeah. yeah, I do love that they used them with a lead. That's a uh, that was a big old asterisk on it. That's yeah, very uh, very delightful to me. They both pitched with a lead, I believe. Yeah, and they're and they're running less than usual, we would imagine, in their final season. So a silly question, a hunch. You think they're gonna pitch more or run more? Dylan, did you see Pujols get thrown out trying to steal? I did, so he had a caught stealing there. And that was part of my <laughs> quiz was to it call was it best. steals or caught stealing. Left that out because they don't get caught very often. It was the best. He just took off from second base and the pitcher was just like, Why are you running? And he just threw to yeah. third and Pujols was up like twenty five feet. Yes. If I had a leaderboard in front of me, which I would have to be a huge leaderboard. I don't know if there's an easy way to do this. It, like if I could see where they were on career steals, because I bet you those two guys look at that leaderboard and like, all right. Sure. And let's say there's some like there, there's there's some particular player like right ahead of them. They're like, oh, I want to tie that guy. That yeah. would just be funny. Or I want to beat this guy right here. Like, you know. Uh, to be the only, you know, uh, if there's like, okay, steals by a Dominican catcher, you know, like I just need one more steal for that. Like, I, I think, I think these guys would probably be like, yeah, there's no other reason to, for for the most part, try to steal. Um, it would have to be fluky. Yeah. I'm actually going to take, I'm going to take pitching appearances, but I'm going to pitch more. I, I am just yeah. going to mention Albert Pujols has more than a hundred steals in his career. Oh yeah. And doesn't get caught a lot. Doesn't get caught. He's a very good, he has... I mean, so Molina has terrible base running value in his career. Pujols does now, but that's because from 2011 to now, he's been worth negative 60 runs on the bases, and he's only negative 45 for his whole career. So that's pretty impressive, actually. He's a he's a savvy base stealer. He's weighed down by the fact that he's just 
slow as molasses. But and so are the Cardinals. The Cardinals are good at it. So yeah. So I I think that he will um, as the back end of a double steal or he steals on pitchers. I think he'll get sure one steal more, but I think he'll pitch two times more. There you go. There's my there's my call. All right, Jason. What's your hunch? More more throwing or more running? I, I'm saying I'm saying more throwing. Um, right. I think that people seem to like this. This uh, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't like it, but it's fun, I guess. I, and I think this sure. seems like when, whenever there's a blowout, it's going to be always going to be an. Uh, you know, well, should we go to a position player today? And I think those both of those guys did it already. I think it. I, I think it's going to happen more often. And the confidence yeah. to give it to him with a lead. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. All right, uh, one more. And this is a, a fun one for Ben. A Corbin Burns question. Ooh, Corbin like Burns it. has allowed eight home runs this year. He allowed just seven last year. You wrote that you're not that concerned, really. The home run rate's up. He yeah. still is awesome. Pujols has four home runs this year. He hit 17 last year. From this date forward, more Pujols homers hit or Corbin Burns homers allowed from May 25th on? Uh, I'll take Pujols home runs hit. I just don't think that Corbin Burns allows enough balls in play to have a ton more home runs. And the Cardinals, I mean, they don't really need to be using Pujols as much as they are anymore. But it's a cool story, and they'll keep getting them in there. So He's also performing. That. He's also he's hitting also, okay. He's hitting okay. He had a really hot start. But yeah, yeah, I'll take that side of it. I don't feel strongly either way. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> sure. really sound like a, a bet to have a really interesting take on there is a lot on the line here Burns gonna have a lot more playing time but i think yeah will out homer burns his homers a lot and you're not concerned about his homeritis so far uh no i am a little bit concerned about it but not enough to really change my opinion that much jason do you have a gut feeling on yeah i mean watching burns pitch yesterday and it was you know potter's lineup can be kind of kind of bad sometimes especially if machado's not not carrying him um, but yeah, I watched that guy yesterday and, and I watched a lot of his, his games last year and I go, look, how the heck does anybody ever barrel up on this guy? Like they, the Padres hit the ball uh, against him. They had uh, two balls hit over 100 miles per hour and it was a pro four hit a really hard grounder for a double play. And then this, his last batter of the game was Will Myers. Will Myers hit a, a line drive, like 105 mile per hour line drive to center field. And but yeah, I was like, how the heck does anybody ever hit the ball hard against this guy? But he gave up, he had already given up eight home runs. I'd like yeah. to go back and watch those. Uh, maybe he's figured it out. Yeah. But just based on, on what he did yesterday and maybe, you know, figured, maybe he figured something out and, and uh, I'll go with Pujols hitting more, yeah. hitting more homers yeah. than Burns allows the rest of the season. Love it. Sure. Yeah. That, that sounds good. Well, well that was my uh, prediction game that I wrote up for you guys. My, my conversation stoking quiz. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. You bet. Yeah. So that's all the time we have today. And I think we used plenty more than we really had to, but it's great talking about baseball. And both of us, and I guess all three of us with Dylan here, love doing it. So for Jason Martinez, I am Ben Clemens. And for Dylan Higgins as well, I'm Ben Clemens. Thank you for listening to us on this installment of Fangraphs Audio. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, consider recommending it to a friend or two. It helps us out. And after you have moseyed on over to the Fangraphs shop, make sure to sign up for the Fangraphs newsletter as well. It's the best way to keep up on all the cool stuff we are doing free to your inbox every weekday. Be excellent to each other, have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you next time.